welcome to Superman's Other Pals, the podcast where my dad, Gary Rowan, talks about his favorite um, Silver Age comic, Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, with his teenage daughter, me, Ella Plum Rowan, and we talk about the things, and I have a lot of questions, and he doesn't always have answers, but he tries. Yay! We don't have to have that awkward silence. <laughs> what? Oh. Oh, but this is the actual beginning of it? Yeah, sure, why not? Oh, okay. You were doing just fine. That wasn't what I was expecting. Okay. I was thinking about it, but then I was just like, I was trying to get a level. I'm like, you know, her level's fine. She's talking. She's saying the right thing. Might as well just start. All right, I guess I did the intro this time. Get on with our day. Um, Okay, so... That wasn't what I was expecting. I know. So, uh, just to let everybody know, uh, we are in the midst of summer. It is hot. Uh, it's hot. It's like 94 degrees it outside. Is, it is Africa hot. Tarzan couldn't live in this hot. He probably could. Well, that's actually a line from the Neil Simon play Biloxi Blues. See, well, I've never seen that. How I do know. I know that? I'm, that's why I'm telling you now. Actually, I think it might be from the movie and not the play, but it's definitely from I saw I saw it in the in the movie starring Matthew Broderick and Matthew Broderick is a familiar name. You might know know him from best the nineteen eighties. You might best know Ferris him Bueller? as Ferris Bueller. Yeah, yes. there we go. Everybody's favorite sociopath. He's kind of sociopath too. He's a jerk. Okay. So, didn't really like that movie. I know that's not always a very popular opinion. I still haven't seen all the way through that movie. I've gotten to, like, the Fancy Pants lunch or whatever. And Where he pretends lost, to be Abe Froman. And then I lost interest um, because I was I had, like, a 101-degree fever. Okay. And I well, lost interest. Well, you know, I'm not really going to show it to you because I don't think it's that good. Yeah, I know. But at some point you might see it. I'm probably going to end up watching it just because I should probably know what everyone's talking about. It's true. Well, I guess. <laughs> but somehow I feel as though we've gotten, we have gotten off track. <laughs> so it's the summertime. Uh, schedules are busy. I will try, actually, maybe. But schedules are also free. They're an odd combination of free and busy. This and so weird paradoxical thing. Hopefully I will try to maybe every summer. I'll try to maybe try to bank some episodes. Um we'll try to get a more uh regular release schedule, but right now I guess we're doing every other week, which isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world. It could be worse. And that's kind of what's gonna how our summer's gonna work out at the moment. Right. But you know, maybe it's possible that we can do some more more regular ones, but until then I don't know. We're just going to record them when we can. So, um, once again, I feel as though we've gotten off track, so we will just go where we start. All we start with is with the cover. So, this is March of 1964. March 1964. And now, it is Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, approved by the Comics Code, 12 cents. And we see Jimmy Olsen at the Daily Planet. Uh, he is picking up his nameplate, and on the nameplate of his desk is Laura Linda Danvers, as we all know, who is secretly Supergirl. Yep. Um, and in the, they, they both have thought balloons, and in the Jimmy Olsen thought balloon, 
Um, he says, Linda looks sweet, but she swiped my job on the planet. I'll, next, I'll bet she steals my best friend, Superman. And then Linda Davers is thinking, poor Jimmy, I don't dare tell him why I got him fired, but I'll make it up to him in my secret identity as Supergirl. And, uh, in the, in her thought balloon, she is, uh, carrying Jimmy and flying around. Jimmy really needs to have more faith in his friendship with Superman. He really does. Uh, he has, this is a, a recurring theme, is that he feels as though his relationship with Superman is always just hanging by a thread. And that, like, if anybody just came in, if his, if and, his life and just... And that's not a good way to be with the person you consider your best friend. Right. Or even just, yeah, I guess pal, I don't know, maybe pal is trying to mean something different? We never see him have any other friends. That's not totally true. Eh. You know, uh, there was that one where they went out in the, in the, where the, where his crazy friends went to go look for uranium in the desert. Eh. In their jalopy, and they all started hallucinating, but the hallucinations were actually... Jimmy Olsen. Were actually, you know, yeah, caused by Superman doing weird things. Eh. So, uh, then it says, featuring when Supergirl replaced Jimmy Olsen. So, we get uh, the inside cover where we see reward, $11,750 for this coin. That's a very specific number. $500,000. Search for rare coins, old and new. And so, basically, it is a company called Best Values Company, Coin Department, A740. At 285 Market Street, Newark, New Jersey, where basically you roll, you, you send the money, and then they send you a coin catalog, and they're like, if you find these coins, you get money. You can get lots and lots of money. Except no one found those coins. Very, you know, the reason why they're, they, they are worth so much money is because no one has them. Right. It's basically what happened to comic books. You know, uh, in, my, I, you know, the, the large majority of my comic book collection is made in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And that was when comic books started to get really kind of collectible. So you have that like really expensive copy of that one. Well, yeah. I mean, I have a couple of I have a couple of items. I have like the Killing Joke. I have with first the edition. Ink. I have first edition Killing Joke. I have a first appearance of of a Spider-Man black costume. I have what you do. Yeah. I have a couple of other pieces that are, you know, that are worth, that had, that, you know, are worth a bunch of money. But by and large, you know, my, the rest of my comic collection, for the most part, would make great uh, kindling and not much else. Excuse you, Jimmy Olsen number 100. Oh, that's true. I do have Jimmy Olsen number 100, and I think I also have uh, Jimmy Olsen number 128. It's also that teddy bear smoking a cigarette, which I think is the greatest cover art I've ever seen. Yeah, well, that's. That's my Ty Templeton stuff, and uh, I don't know what that means. Ty Templeton's an artist, okay. and uh, he still works, and he's always been sort of he does a lot of like DC stuff, and he does a lot of like light-hearted stuff. And the I funny thing about that is that teddy bear smoking a cigarette released an album, and uh, the comic book that I purchased it actually came with the album with a forty-five. It was, it was a that's great. They used to do this every once in a while. They did. You would buy, usually it was a music magazine, and there was like a piece of printed vinyl that had 
a 45, like, etched into it. And this was one of those. Oh. And it was... The name of the song is Even Teddy Bears Have a Right to the Blues. That's great. And it was talking about how, you know, being a blues, being a, a teddy bear with the blues. That's great. Because that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, Ty Templeton came up with some amazing things like the, uh, I believe it was, there's a great story about the plasma monkeys of Zaytan 5. That just sounds like a lot of words that someone just strung together and in really, no particular order. What the entire what the entire story was about was about how so it was a he was a creature that they found and he was a cute little monkey and to pass the time on this spaceship they all played backgammon. Okay. And they bet they they used the betting rules for backgammon. What's the betting rules? For there there's a way to there's like a die that you use that you keep. And you, you can use, you can play backgammon in such a way so that you make money on it. Oh. And, um, the monkey turned out to be the best, the best at it and he makes them all lose their spaceship. That's great. Ty Templeton. That's um, great. you know, if you're out there, Ty Templeton, and you hear me, good job on all the stuff. On all the stuff. I love him. Anyway, so. Uh, once again, I feel as though we have gotten off track. It's one of those days. So, um, we come to our first story. Did you, did you want to read our first story? Sure. Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, coming up to the microphone. I need water first. Um, she is wetting her proverbial whistle. Why you gotta talk like that? And... Now she is uh, gathering her thoughts. She's putting herself together. And any moment we will be hearing uh, my daughter, Ella Plum Roland, teen host, reading the first story from issue 75, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, March 1964, in all of its glory and splendor. Here she is. Let me know when you're finished. Here she is. Getting ready to read, just for you. Let me know when you're finished. And right now, here she goes. Elephant rolling. Go elephant rolling now. Okay, okay. now. Dad! She, you cut me off. She took a little Stop. bit of a pause. Stop. Stop. And now. Stop. In all seriousness. Stop. Let me talk. Here she is. Let me talk. My daughter. I'm trying to read the thing. Elbum rolling. Dad. Reading. Dad. For you. Cease. Right now. Cease. Okay. Suppose you suddenly discover that your father was a jailbird, a hood with a long career of crimes. Could you face your friends? Could you take the disgrace, the scorn, the sneers? These are only a few of the heartbreaking problems that confront Jimmy Olsen when he solves the mystery of Convict 313. All right. So Jimmy's an orphan. Yes. I, I don't know if everybody knows that. If that's a, if that is a, I mean, it's, it's not really referred to very often. I know that we, when we've actually first got into this, um. Neither of us knew what was happening. Right. So in case the listeners don't know, Jimmy Olsen is an orphan. We don't know whose parents are. He's never known. He grew up in an orphanage and came to the big city 
But in this case... And other so, than that, we don't know much. So in this, we see Superman, and Superman has a projector, and he's projecting an image on the scene, a screen of a balding man so with a mustache, red-haired, like Jimmy. a red-haired balding man who kind of looks like Jimmy. And you know what it looks like? Go ahead. It looks like on one of those like crime TV shows where they're like, this is what he would look like now, but it's Jimmy Olsen 40 years later. Very possible. And he kind of actually looks like maybe the Mad Hatter without his hat. So, Superman is saying, yes, Jimmy, Jimmy Convict 313 is a hardened criminal with a long record. They say he has a fortune in loot hidden away. Why did you ask me about him? And then Jimmy is thinking, how can I tell Superman that Convict 313 is my father? Well, I will advise Jimmy, perhaps the way that you do it is you say, well, Superman. That's my dad. Convict 313 claims to be my father. And... He might be. I don't know. He looks like me. I know that, you know. And so, because, once again, why, why his, he thinks that if Superman knew this about him, then he wouldn't be his friend anymore. But that's not true. All right, so, one day, Jimmy Olsen, we start. He gets a letter, and the letter says, for the scoop of the year, investigate whoa, the, the, the identity of... Prisoner 313 in the Metropolis Pen. They call it the pen. It's one of those, like, letters that you always think of when it's, like, serial killers and stuff where they've just, like, cut out the right letters and numbers from magazines. Right. I don't know why. I don't know why that's a thing, that they're like, yes, this is what they would do. Yes. So, Jimmy then suggests to the warden at the prison that he show an anti-crime film about how crime doesn't pay. So I have a question. Sure, you right over there? Yes. So these people are already in the prison yes. for the crime. Yes. And so they are probably already aware that the crime does not necessarily lead to a good place. That's not always true. Or they are just completely immune to that message. You know, I don't know, because criminals are a cowardly and superstitious lot. Oh, my God. And, uh, the, 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 um, the, the seeds of crime bear bitter fruit. That's from the shadow. Um... Oh, my God. Who's not a DC character uh-huh. in the least. Uh, so Jimmy goes, and he shows this film, and we see the notorious cat burglar called The Creep. Use suction cups to climb up the walls, but Superman captured him and proved crime does not pay. And The Creep was there. And The Creep. He was like, look, it's me. I'm The Creep. The weird thing, the reason why they call him Creep, not because he creeps up walls. It's because he's really freaky to be around. <laughs> He stays a little bit too, he stands a little bit too close for you. Doesn't, doesn't ever like leave eye contact. Doesn't blink. Doesn't really blink very much. And so, um, while he's there, he, uh, Jimmy uses a pair of infrared glasses to see in the dark and he sees convict number 313. And the, the guards say, hey, 313, you got a visitor. And he's like, I got a visitor. I never had visitors. And he wouldn't talk to 
Uh, he wouldn't talk to him. So Jimmy goes and he visits the water and he, uh, the warden, and he asks him about the brain and, you know, you find out that the guy's name was Mark Olson. And he's like, hey, my name's Olson. And they don't know where the brain came from. And so you find out this little bit about the backstory of Jimmy Olsen. When he was a child, he was on a train with his parents, and the train collapsed on a bridge, or the bridge that the train was on over a river collapsed. Neither of his parents survived. Right. They never found his father's body. Right. So it's very possible that this, you know, it's not very possible, but it is possible that this brain is, in fact, Jimmy Olsen's father. And he says that he was raised by Ella, you know, we, uh, he was raised by relatives and, uh, he thought he was dead until now because he might be, uh, dead. He might not be dead. So, uh, Jimmy Olsen then goes to see the brain and says, I just wanted to say happy Father's Day, Dad. And he has a meltdown right there. And he says, I thought that train mech wiped out my family. Something snapped inside of me. My sorrow, I turned to crime. When I saw that you were alive, I was ashamed to face you. Go away, son. Change your name. Forget me. I'm stuck here for 30 more years. So. That's kind of dramatic. It is a little dramatic. But so he, um, he figures out. So he's like, oh man. So his dad basically says, yes, I'm your father, but I don't want to see you anymore because I am far too shameful. Yeah. Um, and he does, he says, I'm not going to write, he doesn't want to write the story about how his father is prisoner 313. Yep. And then, he's hanging out at the pen and pencil cafe, and there's a reporter from the Seminal, Sentinel, which is a rival newspaper. Yeah. And he says, hi Jimmy, better dig up some scoops soon or the planet won't be good for anything but wrapping fish. Ha <laughs> ha. Mean. That's a very popular dig for newspapers is that it's not worth wrapping fish in because, you know, fish is commonly wrapped in newspaper. Mean thing to say. It is. So, and then he says, speaking of a scoop, here's a hot tip about a big break at the Metropolis prison. So he finds out that at the Metropolis prison that people broke out and, or that there was going to be a breakout and that one of the people who was breaking out was going to be Prisoner 313, the brain, and uh, so Jimmy is feeling shame that his dad is a criminal and figures that uh, nobody should know. Nobody should know, but also nobody would like him if they find out that his father is a criminal. Also, there is a very simple solution to that. Because no one ever asks him, hey, your parents are dead, right? Right. Like, you could just, like, not bring it up in conversation. Well, sure. I guess he figures that at some point now, somebody else is going to find out. And then when they find out, they're going to... Or they could just mind their own business. They could mind their own damn business. But, you know, this is comic books. And they're all news reporters. And as a rule, news reporters don't mind their, mind own, their own damn business. That's fair. But Jimmy does the thing that he often does. Which is distance himself from everybody Which is basically, immediately. Yeah, basically just like, I'm going to run away from my life. Everybody take back everything. So he tells, you know, he's like, tell your sister that I'm the son of a criminal. Take this picture back and all the letters she sends to me and I'll never 
bother you again, her again. And then I think he quits the planet. He also he also quits the planet. But the weird weird thing is he gives back everything to Lois, and Lois just says, "I'm sorry, Jimmy." He doesn't like, say something like she doesn't say something like you moron. Um, you know, I don't think she'll mind that much. Or I think you're taking this a little bit too hard. I think you're being a little too dramatic. Uh, right. If Lucy really loves you, which I know that she does. Does she though? I don't know. She, she does meet a lot of millionaires on planes. That she does. And so, she goes on dates with them even though she is engaged to Jimmy Olsen. Right. So she he goes to the prison one last time and he thought that he would bring his camera to take one photo of um another photo of of brain of the brain to uh to have for him. Uh he meets him in the shop and then she and then uh, she yeah she. uh then he destroys the camera but then all the prisoners come up and they're like hey look who it is Jimmy Olsen's pal Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen hey you landed half of us in here right you landed half of us in here and then they say this is like what is the brain gonna uh creep is gonna like squeal on us about our escape and then uh, he they they go that uh, that he's going to that he broke the underworld code. And then um, he almost gets crushed by heavy right. machinery, and then Jimmy saves him. And this is the the uh, the the pre version of um, snitches get stitches. Yep. That's the that's the prison code is that snitches get stitches. And right before they about to give him some stitches, Jimmy Olsen had some experimental flashbulbs that were given to him by Lex Professor Luther. Potter. No, Professor... Yeah, right. Professor Potter, who was really... We're Lex all pretty Luther much convinced is right. Right. So, uh, he throws it and, like, creates, like, a flash bomb, and then... And then runs away. Right. Gets a, a chance to run away. And then Brain is like, hey, you risked your life for me. I, I'm not worthy to have a son like you. Bah! And then runs away again. Right. But the thing is, he's like, hey, I buried some money at the base of Eagle Cliff. I'll draw a map, and then you go there, and you get the money. He's like, dig the money up for yourself. Isn't that stolen money? Yes. But the thing is, he's like, okay, dig up the money, and don't tell Superman, who happens to be at the moment on a way on a um, mission with Batman. Yay, Batman! Doing a uh, doing an episode of doing an issue of the Brave and the Bold. Um, so he's he goes and he goes to the Eagle Cliff, where he sees where he manages. He does say he does tell Superman, Superman "Hey, look, I know where this money is. So why don't we go get it? Why don't we go get it?" And so he goes, "Yeah, I'll get it." And so he goes, there's a lead box in the, in the crypt, which has all the money, which is, which is like, you know, he's like, hey, I bet it's in here. It's like, hey, uh. How about we open it? How about we open it? And then inside. Is kryptonite. And then it's a trap. You find out it's a trap. And you find out that, that Prisoner 313. Is not Jimmy's dad. And this was all a setup to try to kill Superman. Yep, um, but luckily he actually does save them because Jimmy actually saved him from danger. Right. Jimmy Olsen winds up saving 
Superman and uh, Jimmy. And so uh, the brain tries to warn Jimmy and warns him just in time, but he uh, winds up dying. Yep. He jumps in front of some bullets to save him. And then he dies. And then he dies. And uh, we still don't know who Jimmy's parents are. The end. But now at least we know what happened. Right. Well, we know that Jimmy Olsen, yes, we know that his parents died in a plane, in a train crash. Alright, so then we have Ollie. And, uh, Ollie, uh, remembers the last time he played it before he played himself into a corner. This time he figured out that he would paint it back to the window. Why not the door? We'll never know. And then he goes out the window. Sometimes people paint floors. Seems like a really arbitrary, like, unnecessary thing to do. But what he forgot is that there's a rain barrel outside and he falls in. Ha! Splash! You hate bees. I do. Alright, then we have... Be the first in your neighborhood to read each issue of Jimmy Olsen and save money, too. You get a subscription to Jimmy Olsen. Superman. To either Jimmy Olsen, Superman, Superboy, or Lois Lane. Ten issues for a dollar. So... Ten cents. Right. Ten cents an issue instead of twelve cents. And they tell you. They, you don't even have to have math. They just tell you what it is. Yeah. All right. So then that brings us to our second story. No marine mystery has ever caused more speculation than the unsolved puzzle about what really happened to the ill-fated crew of the brigantine Mary Celeste. Leave it to Derry Olsen to try to figure out this fascinating enigma. Prepare for chills. A plenty in this exciting shocker entitled The Voyage of the Mary Celeste 2. So is Mary Celeste an actual thing yep. or is this just another made up thing? No, no, it is a real thing. Okay. Uh, the Mary Celeste was a, yeah, it was a ship that they stumbled across and everybody was gone. Nobody knows exactly what happened. Like it was like a thing where they, they found like a pipe smoking in the, I don't know, I don't know if that's true or apocryphal or whatever. But supposedly, but like, you allegedly. Know, yeah, it's basically kind of like uh, Mount Vesuvius. You know how they found people just like hanging out doing stuff? Like the, the when Mount Vesuvius erupted oh, and destroyed like the, Pompeii. Like remains and stuff? Yeah. How there's just like a dude bacon and bread or whatever? Right, right. How it hit, it hit so fast and so quickly that no one had time to react. It took some, some people did not have time to react. So this was one of those things where it was just like, everybody's gone. We don't know what happened. Uh, there were no signs of the crew, but so, um, we see Jimmy Olsen there and a bunch of people around him going, oh, we were crazy to sign on as crew members of this accursed ship and agreed to follow exactly the same course that the original Mary Celeste did. We, they don't want the same awful fate to two happen to us. Please turn back, Skipper Olsen. And then Skipper Olsen is like, no, the Mary Celeste, you will sail on. So we start that uh, Jimmy Olsen has been assigned by Perry White, his boss, to go write about the mysteries of the sea. And so he's like, here's one. The first one is like, hey, in the Seaport Museum at Metropolis, uh, there's the Mary Celeste. And they had no idea. So basically, they tell the story. Benjamin Briggs, his wife, child, and five members of the crew had vanished. 
It's incredible. No one's here. Not a lifeboat missing. The sea is calm. There was no storm. There's not another vessel in sight. And look, the food is still cooking. The table is served and there's still a lit pipe. They must have literally vanished minutes ago. Um, could be pirates. Could be... Could have been pirates. Could have been aliens. Could have been a giant kraken. The kraken. We have no idea. Probably pirates. Probably the Kraken. That would be my guess. It would be the pirate. Definitely the Kraken. So, but then we never, anyway. So. Guys, it was the Kraken. So what happens is he runs into, he find, somebody finds out, he writes an article, everybody loves the article, and then he gets a phone call from the Conway Shipbuilding Corporation, and he decide, they decide that they are going to build an exact replica of the Mary Celeste, calling it the Mary Celeste 2. You know, they're doing with the Titanic, and it's just... I know. I thought they already did it with the Titanic. They did, I think. I don't know. And it's fine. Yeah, because there happened... no more icebergs left. Yes, but also, what happened to the Titanic was like a one in a bazillion thing. I know, but they're always like, this weird thing happened, and we're not sure how it happened, but it's weird, and there are no more humans. And then people are like, you know what would be a great idea? We're going to do the exact same thing well, again, yeah. but even though something bad already happened the first time. Well, I mean, there was the con, the Contiki. The what? The Contiki. I don't know. It was, that. um, oh, what was the guy's name? His name was like Thor something or else. Thor something or other. It's a great name. And he built a, a boat to the specifications, basically to show that, um, ancient man, I believe in the South Sea Islands, could travel between different, um, you know, part of the thing where, like, there's no way that they could get boats to go out that far. So Except he was like, they could. he was like, they, they can. And so he built a boat to prove it, and then he did. Like, they also, at one point, they built a boat to show, because, like, they were like, the Vikings could never make it to the New World. Except they did. Except they did. And uh, so somebody was like, all right, well, I'll just build a boat. And like a Viking ship, works. and we'll make it work. And they did. Yep. Um, although, interestingly enough, uh, one of the, maybe not interesting, but like one of the facts about that was they got really, really cold, and then what they did, what they figured out is um, they were wearing the wrong clothes, so they wore Viking, like Viking clothes, which included wool, and wool stays warm yeah. even when it's wet. So, it was fine. so they were fine. So they were like, part of it was just like, yeah, they could do it. Why doesn't everybody shut up? That's why I'm always, whenever anybody tries to say, like, there's no way because there was no technology or... There was technology. There, there was no technology was or nobody could... Than our technology. Nobody could perform that kind of feat of strength. Um, nobody could make that shot. Nobody could do whatever, you know, like the whole people, the, the entire idea about Shakespeare couldn't have written that because he was, he was middle class and dumb. And uh, that's just wrong. That's just prejudice. That's just like full-on classism in play. So um, he says we're making a. So the Conway Shipbuilding Corporation says we're making a Mary Celeste too, and we want you to be the captain. And we want we they they've got a crew. And so he goes. What are you, a pack of superstitious cowards? Volunteer, someone! 
and somebody shouts, Avast, landlubber, get lost. That part of the Azores has been a curse for centuries. We want no part of it. We don't, they don't talk like that. Yeah, I was about to say, like people who, um... Maybe, people in who, pirate times, maybe. Maybe, yes. Maybe. Well, that's supposed to be, I believe that is a Cornish accent. I don't know what that means. Somebody from Cornwall. What's a Cornwall? The section of uh, England. It's just a giant wall of corn. Yes, the giant wall of corn. Yay. No, Aww. Cornwall was a section of um of England. It's in England. Okay. It's a uh, it's a big I guess seaside resort among other things, but it's apparently the Cornish accent is like ar ha ha he ha Kimboy. I think that guy Long John Silver was a Cornishman. Okay. I I don't know for sure. I don't know for sure, but anyway, so um, those guys don't exactly exist anymore. So uh, Jimmy gets really into it and dresses full on in a uh, you know period outfit. I mean, he's got all those disguises. That's true. They're probably burning a hole in his pocket or that whatever is, the phrase is. That is probably true. Because I know that if I had to do this, I would be like, heck yes. I'm going to wear the full costume. We are doing this. Yeah, but that's the kind of person you are. Yeah, that's also true. Um, so, Lucy, before he leaves, he goes to, he goes, Lucy goes to Jimmy. He's like, I really wish that you wouldn't do this, but I have made this lucky piece, this lucky coin for you. Why does he believe in this, but nothing else that happens? Well, the other thing is just like, is she some kind of witch? How does she make a lucky coin. I mean, there was that one time where he ended up in Salem and she was a witch. Right, but this is not that girl. Are you sure? Or woman. Are you sure? I mean, I guess not. So, therefore, witch. But it is a coin that has a four-leaf clover Either way, engraved it was just it. kind of like a sweet thing to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And she doesn't do a lot of those. No, she does not. So, anyway... They sail, and they're like, oh, we'll, we'll be famous when we solve the mystery. Because, of course, guaranteed, they will solve the mystery? Or nothing will happen. And right. they'll be like, well, we still don't know what's happening, but right. we're fine. Right. Because, you know, I'm pretty sure that the people who are building the Titanic are pretty sure that it's not going to go down. And apparently also, so he's on the, um, they're on the ship, and they're sailing the high seas. And then Jimmy is reading a magazine because I guess there just happens to be a true crime magazine, a modern true crime magazine that has the FBI's five most wanted. And it turns out that their entire crew is the FBI's, is the FBI's five most, most wanted. So they first they, they, they find out that he finds out and he's like, Ah-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha! and they grab his wrist and they take off his watch. He really needs to start just, like, hiding his watch. He, he really does. Or, like, yeah, like, keep it in his pocket. Get a different or, watch, like a decoy watch. Right. Or, like, put it in his on his ankle. Get, like, a cheap watch. Wear that on your actual wrist that you should keep your watch on. And then, like, wear the non-one, like, halfway up your forearm so that they don't see it immediately. It's true. So, um, basically what that happens is, so they have a mutiny. And they take over the ship, and they make they make Jimmy uh, swab the decks, and he drops 
He drops he his coin. coin while and he's swabbing the deck. While swabbing the deck, and he's like, uh oh. Between the cracks, and, and the he wood. sees it as a, uh, as a what is that? As a, a an omen that yeah. his luck has run out. I mean, I would say it ran out when the FBI's five most wanted held a gun to him well, and sure. um, took his watch. Right. But okay. So they. So what happens is, uh, so he goes up on the ship. He's like, we're about to hit the exact place where everybody disappears. And he gets up and everybody And then has, he turns around. And everybody has disappeared. And then there's still a pipe smoking. And so... Right. So they're like, oh man, it's happened again. Whoa! These are wanted criminals. But they left his, they left Jimmy Olsen's watch. So what they think, what, what, so the, what, what you find out is that, uh, the criminals are actually living in the hull of a ship in a lead-lined box. Basically. And they think that Jimmy Olsen is going to call Superman, Superman is going to fly them back, and then everything is going to be fine. But And then they can get out of town. They've got this plastic surgeon dude. They've already got before and after pictures. And so Jimmy, he sees this coin. He grabs this coin. He finds that it is... Disappeared. And that it's disappeared, but it's also it's gone to a trap door, and he sees the guy. So he goes and he gets the drop on him. He's like, aha, yay! Now I have the now, gun. Now I have it. Aha, woo! But then they catch him off guard, and... They throw him overboard, and they're like, they shoot him. And just before they shoot him... The Kraken! The Kraken shows up. And... It doesn't have a face. No, it is a faceless thing. It's and, kind of terrifying. And uh, the, he goes, and he grabs all of the crewmen, and I guess kills them? Basically. And so... I think that's the conclusion you're supposed to come to. Right, is that the Kraken eats them all. Yep. But Superman then shows or up... Or drowns them. He then throws... Thro- he shows up and grabs the Kraken and throws him into the bottom of the ocean. And that you find out that the Christ- the, the, the mystery of Mary Celeste was... The Kraken. ...solved. And that essentially that there was an underground earthquake that let loose this Kraken, and then the Kraken um, killed everybody. But wouldn't that also, like, theoretically, like, knock over some stuff? Look, I'm not saying it's a good theory. I'm just saying it's the theory that they came up with. It's the Kraken. Right. You know, it is as plausible as a guy coming from another planet who has superpowers because there's a yellow sun instead of a red sun. Occam's razor. Always blame the Kraken. Right. And, you know, one razor is just as good as seven razors when you're shaving. Sure. So, I don't know why you included that, but sure. Jimmy Olsen's, or, or, why would it be a razor? Wouldn't that be like Occam, why isn't it Occam's theory? Occam's razor sounds cooler. But like, is it, it's his razor? What razor? Why is it a razor? I don't know. Look it up. I'm, I don't know the meanings behind words except for bleachers. That, I guess. I'm sure that in my Funkin' Wagnall... I can look up Occam's Razor, and it'll tell me inside... Well, it's probably not going to tell you, like, the etymology. No, I, I bet it exactly will tell me the etymology. Okay. You know, I will look it up in my Funkin' Wagner. All right, so, then we see... Jimmy Olsen's pen pal. Jimmy Olsen's pen pal. Uh, everybody tries to point out 
some stuff that's wrong, and then Jimmy, and then the editors are like, no, dummy. Or they're like, yeah, we messed up, but what are you going to do right. about it? Who cares? Don't you know that this is comic books? Dummies? All right. That's really not the best mentality to have when interacting with your readers. No. Well, they're just like, what? What? Come on, dummies. Um, it's best to not although, call the people who are giving you money dummies. I'm sure that they don't actually, you know, we, we read them and they don't call them dummies, like flat out. But also, this is like the early version of, you know, those people who wind up going on the internet and busting out the well actually. Yep. So, um... These are the well actually children. Right. These are the early, these are early comic book fans. And I know that because, actually, on some of the... Were um, you one of those fans? I was not. I never wrote letters to any editors. Okay. Um, but, like, the reason why I know this is because some of the... So there are comic book things that I post on, like DC Comics when they were fun. Yep. DC Comics from, like, 1935 to 1986. Like, all these different things. And... Every once in a while, somebody will be like, see this letter? This is a letter that I wrote to the editor 40 years ago. So, they are early versions of the Well Actually folk. Yep. Then, we have Stamp. Stamp. Still, nothing interesting to be said about. 213 stamps for 25 cents, and that's like less than half a cent per stamp. Which means that those must be useless stamps. All right, so then we have Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. The final story. Without a doubt, Jimmy Olsen is the peppiest, merriest, young reporter in the nation. So full of life and fun that everyone he meets can't help liking the gaily exuberant youth. Happy Pride, everybody. (laughs) Uh, And so you can imagine how Supergirl feels when she discovers he is doomed to die. Can even the mighty girl of steel change the fate and save Jimmy from certain doom? There are startling surprises in store for you when you read When Supergirl Replaced Jimmy Olsen. His gay exuberance. I forgot about the gay exuberance. I need to make a note of that phrase. Because <laughs> that's a great phrase. It is. I don't, you know, yeah, that's right. That is a, uh, that is. That is a t-shirt. That is. That is up there with this robot is trained to smash your camera. Just in time for Pride Month. Right. So, uh, there are a bunch of people in Jimmy Olsen's fan club, and they're over the radio. There's like, newsflash, famed planet reporter Jimmy Olsen has died in a helicopter crash. That's not good. And somebody's like, Olsen, did it dead? How awful. What a tragedy. He was our idol. We'll never forget him. So... Wow. Uh, the story starts, uh, so... Supergirl. Supergirl is hanging out in the 31st century. For whatever reason. And she's whizzing back towards the present. As she happens upon some loose red kryptonite. And so she goes back in time, and when she goes back in time, she sees 48 hours after she arrives... Jimmy Olsen is dead. Jimmy Olsen dies in a helicopter crash. And she's like, "Uh uh-oh, i got to find Jimmy, and i got to tell her what's going on. Tell him what's going on. So when, I I know that it has already happened, but when did Jimmy Olsen finally recognize that Supergirl was an actual person? Because there was that time where she was like, I'm Supergirl, and he was like... 
there's no such thing as Supergirl. Well, Are you insane? Well, here, here, the thing is, is that, you know, there was a time when Superman kept her secret. I know. It was like, I need you to be, and then at one point, he, there's this big to-do, and I think he actually introduces her to the United Nations, and is like, here's Supergirl. She's like Superman. Except a girl. Only a girl. She's my cousin. She's my cousin. Everybody be cool. And then I think Jimmy Olsen was, you know, just among the people who were there. Who were there. So first, Supergirl tries to tell Jimmy. And And she believes it for a second, except she can't fly. Right. So she tries to fly off and then Jimmy's like, No, you're masquerading as Supergirl. You're not. Nice try, toots. Nice try, toots, but you can't fly. And she's like, uh-oh, the red kryptonite must have affected me briefly. Just enough for that, in that moment, I don't fly. That's it. And then not afterwards, that it is. Because it's unpredictable. It can do anything. Anything from, like, growing an extra set of arms to temporarily, for like, I guess, five minutes, half an hour after you arrive half an hour after your exposure you are uh you know your your powers are gone for like half a second so she's like i can't warn jimmy it's gonna happen in 48 hours i gotta do something so now does she find the flying newsroom and break it for 48 hours so that no. So that, um, you know, nobody can fly it and therefore would, would avert the crisis? No. Does she talk to Superman and tell him to tell Jimmy? Right. Because Jimmy believes Superman without a doubt all the time? Nope. She concocts this story and says, I gotta, I gotta go to the planet and I gotta get Jimmy fired for 48 hours. Yep. In 48 hours. Right. Too. Take that, Occam. So. <laughs> why? <laughs> Okay, so, she's going and she applies for a job at the planet, and Perry's like, yes, this is definitely a, a person that I want to be working here. Right. And so, she is talking to Jimmy, and Jimmy's like, hi, I'm Jimmy, and she's like, hi, I'm Linda. And then, she makes it so that a fake mouse seems like a real mouse, and then she's like, I'll make Lucy jealous. Because as we all know, Lucy is the most easily manipula- emotionally manipulated person on the planet. True. And also, but the other thing is, is that uh, Linda Danvers, the Supergirl, thinks, I think that Linda actually secretly has, Supergirl secretly has a crush on Jimmy. But it's, it's a, not a secret. Um, I don't think she has, I don't think it's like, it's not a secret. He, they don't date. She no. doesn't try to date him or anything. It's but a like, secret to him, but, but everything like, is a secret to him. But she is like, Lucy treats him like such a piece of crap. She does. Why? Like, I have to make her jealous. So, yeah, he, she arranges this whole thing where a mouse, where, she, you know, she supposedly sees a mouse and then goes eek, and then... Jimmy saves her. Right. And Jimmy, then she kisses him on the cheek. And then, just as Lucy comes in, and then... And then, of course, she goes, we're finished, I'm out of here. Uh, so... Then Jimmy turns in a story, and it makes no sense. It makes it makes absolutely no sense. 
And so um, that evening in Linda Seller Laboratory, my attempt to develop the red kryptonite aptitude has failed. I'll place this serum bottle in my purse and keep studying its chemical components whenever I have a chance. Maybe I'll succeed later. And so he comes. she comes back to work, and uh, Jimmy... And quickly swaps out... Oh, so this is what happened, actually. I remember this. Okay. Go right ahead. So, what happened with the red kryptonite this time, she's like, oh, it did the opposite. So now, in my Supergirl um, identity, I'm not going to have superpowers, but in my Linda Danvers identity, I am going to have superpowers. Right, right, right. However, that's not how that works, because literally... She still has superpowers as Melinda Danvers all the time on a normal basis. She just doesn't use them. Right. It's not like she's Linda Danvers and all of a sudden her body's like, well, no superpowers. But red kryptonite. Yeah, but she's like, it's the opposite of the normal. And I'm like, it's really not so. But kind of the opposite of the normal, but not really. So anyway. So uh, Perry White sent Jimmy out to buy him some cigars. And Jimmy comes back and gives him the cigars. And then, and then, uh, then Supergirl spikes one of the cigars so that it becomes a loaded cigar. An exploding cigar. Which is something that was very popular to do in those days. Sounds like fun. They basically, they hide a very... That sounds very dangerous. They hide a very small firecracker in the cigar. So that explodes. Oh yeah, completely dangerous. But then again, you have to remember that this is a time when Plutonium was in kids' science kits? No. A very, there were two very popular pranks. One was a hot foot or a hot hat. Are you familiar with either of these? Set it on fire? So the hot foot is that you wedge a match in between, like basically you wedge it into, in the space between the shoe and you know, the, you know, like where the shoe attaches to a sole, there's that little, yeah. there's that little like ledge. Yeah. You can wedge a match in there, and then you light the match, and the match burns down. So lighting their foot on fire. Basically, and so, and even worse, this one I found out. This one I learned from an interview with one of the Bowery Boys, which is a very similar thing called a hot hat. The who? The Bowery Boys. They were a. Uh, they were a little earlier than this. They were more like 30s and 40s, but they were basically a bunch of teen kids who got into antics in on in the movies. Like they were like contemporaries, like the Marx Brothers. Okay. So they had this thing called a hot hat, which oh, was no. you, you take like someone's hat on fire. Well, you take a piece of newspaper and you make it into a cone, and then you sneak it onto their hat, like the crown of their hat. Yeah. And then you light the cone on fire. So you light their hat on fire. <laughs> yes. So, those were popular pranks. How did anyone survive the 50s and 60s? I don't know. Um, so, another thing would be to load somebody's cigar. And so... So, um, Linda also decides that she's going to prank Jimmy... With this flying carpet that's really just like a 99-cent carpet from, like, a weird store nearby. Right. And so she's like, oh, yeah, people believe that they could fly. What a bunch of hooey. And then she leaves the room, and Jimmy's like, flying carpet? This sounds dangerous and exactly like something I should try. Right. So she uh, gives Jimmy a flying... Oh, this is to get things... To make things okay with... um. Perry White. 
because Perry doesn't fire him for sure. He's just like, look, I have a sense of humor. I'll let it go that you've blown up my cigar. But if you do this again, I am firing you. So get out there and do good reporting. So he gets pictures of, he gets like aerial photos of the, um, of the stadium. And he then, he's like, the rug flies, chief. I'll write a sensational story about it. And he's like, the story can wait. I've got to go to an editor's meeting and I'm late already. Our helicopter needs repairs. So fly me out there on your rug now. So he takes him on the rug. And then the rug does nothing. Right. And so then he fires Jimmy Olsen. And then, um, still, Jimmy Olsen the next day is killed in a, um, Daily Planet helicopter crash, except it's not Jimmy Olsen. Right. Um, what you find out is that the guy who dies is not Jimmy Olsen. But a dude pretending. But Marty Blake, an escape criminal who kind of looks like Jimmy Olsen. So basically, uh, Linda Danvers saw that piece. Instead of actual Jimmy Olsen. Right. So that's that. And every, then everybody's better. And uh, in the very end... Jimmy gets rehired. Lucy gets back with him. And the kryptonite wears off. Right. So everything is... All's, el- all's well that ends well, yeah. as the bard t- tells us. All right. Then we're in the home stretch. Shakespeare, the immortal bard. You've never heard two recorders of the bard? No, never anyone says bard. I think it's Homer. The guy from The Simpsons? The guy from The Iliad? Oh, oh, okay. Dad. All right. So. Dad. All right. So, then we have, make money, get prizes. So, uh, sell seeds, get things like, uh, fishing outfits, and those really cool sleeper bags, still, love the sleeping bags with the cover. I want one of those! So badly. I just, I don't even think I would ever use it, but I want one. I know. I don't think it has a purpose, but I want one. I have to look it up. I have to look and see if they still exist. Or if I can get one. Like, if I can... I wonder if I can still get one. I bet I can. All right, so uh, then we have 102 ships for $1.49. Woo! And $1.50 for 100 full Full dimension silver, unbreakable plastic in perfect detail. Yep. Once again, like, and it says here, D-Day, happy 75th anniversary. Well, I guess not happy. 75th anniversary commemorating D-Day, everybody. All right, so... Then we, we won, have we won the war. Uh, Junior Sales Club of America. You can get a bicycle, uh, one of those things that you talk into and it's a cone and it comes louder out the other end. Another bicycle, um, a watch, a camera, a go-kart. A visible chassis auto kit. A motorized exterminator dragster kit. A plane, a car. Walkie-talkie. Of course. A BB gun. A pocket watch. Dual phone system. Oh, uh, 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 waffle iron. Another plane. So basically you, you know, a once backpack. again, once again, sell stuff. Get stuff. Get stuff. All right, then we have 
We dare you to enter this contest. Fun. Customize an Aurora movie monster model. Act. Oh, then you win a free trip to Hollywood. You act in a real live monster movie. That actually sounds like a pretty cool contest. Yeah, it does. I remember these models. These are great models. Um, so basically they're monster models that you look like you could that make up Frankenstein, the Phantom of the Opera, the Mummy, Dracula, Creature and, of the Black Lagoon, and the Wolfman. And you have to paint them? Yes. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. You can still buy these. These still exist. Yeah, they're great. They're a lot of fun. I always... I don't think I ever had one. Maybe I did. I know at one point we had ones of uh, Planet of the Apes. Sounds cool. Yeah. It was. It was kind of cool. All right. So, that then brings us to the end of issue number 75. Yep. I would like to thank you all for listening. Thank you. Please write and review as people do. Yep. And, you know, follow us on the social media, Other Pals Pod, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. If you have a correction that you would like to make, write it on a piece of parchment, um, and uh, that is uh, illuminated. That is illuminated and heraldically correct, and have your herald send it to us. Or an owl. Or an owl. That also works. So, uh, you know, there's that. Uh, thank you once again to the Spin Doctors for not suing us. <laughs> and uh, anything? Support your local roller derby. Oh, next weekend uh, we will be skating in... That's next weekend. Two weekends. Maybe two weekends. No, I think it is next weekend. Oh, crap. Yeah, next weekend. Oh, crap. Uh, we'll be in Dallas for the RDCL. Not Dallas. I'm sorry, we'll be in Houston for the Battle on the Bank. The Battle on the Bank, Battle of the Bank, Battle the with bank. the Bank. On the Bank. Battle against the Bank. <laughs> no. Battley Banky. If you want to come to see us, I'll actually be announcing not only all the Juniors games, but all the LA Adult games. Really? Yeah. Yay! So I'll be pretty busy. But if you ever, but if you're in Dallas, not Dallas, if you're in Dallas, drive to Houston. <laughs> and if you're in Houston. That works, I guess. Come out to see us. And um, say hi. So, uh, I guess until then, this is Gary Rowland. This is Alice Lumberland. And together we say Superman away. Away. I held it out longer. I win. All right. Yep. I, I got a